Hello, everyone. My name is Lee Savalixic, and this is the Artsbound Podcast, where I talk with professionals from across the performing arts industries to capture bits of wisdom, insight, and inspiration for young people considering careers in music, theater, and dance. Today, I'm speaking with music therapist Corey Antonacci. Corey has just about as much passion for what she does as anyone I've ever met. And she's got a great story to tell when it comes to having an intuitive sense of discovering her calling. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Corey. So, yeah, so thanks for um, taking the time. I'm really excited about uh, having this conversation with you and um, just hearing you talk about what you do. I know how passionate you are about music therapy. Um, I gave a little introduction, kind of what you do in... um, in the intro, and just to give a little uh, context, you and I uh, know each other because you have served on the board of Pittsburgh Youth Course, um, which is where I am working, and um, we met in that context, and I just learned a little bit about uh, what you do as a music therapist, and so why don't you talk a little bit more about um, how you got into music therapy and what your day-to-day looks like. Sure. So when I was in high school and deciding on a career path, I very much wanted to be a psychologist. I had my heart set on that type of schooling and I knew I wanted to work in mental health. And again, particularly the branch of of psychology. And I wanted to, to practice that type of work. I saw myself doing verbal talk therapy and processing with, with clients and patients, But as I got closer to my junior year of high school and really where it gets point to be, quote, serious about narrowing down that that degree of study, I was involved in every sector of my high school's music program. I was in the concert choir. I was in the select choir. I was in the show choir. I was in the marching band, the concert band, the jazz band. I, I, I did the musicals, every aspect of music that my public school offered, I I was involved in. And when I got really close to making that decision to start to think about a major and a school to study at, I, you know, I, I, I thought, okay, I want to be a psychologist, but there was something in me that would not let go of what music meant and how much it meant to me and what a role it played in my life. And I remember at the time, a few people, you know, of course my music teachers were somewhat biased and I understand why, but other people as well, a lot of people said, well, why don't you be a music teacher? That would allow you to work with people. It wouldn't be from a mental health perspective, but you'd get to work with kids, but you wouldn't have to give up your passion of music. And I knew even hearing the words become a music teacher, it didn't feel authentic. It didn't feel like me. I mean, I'm so grateful to the music teachers in my life and I have the utmost respect for what they do, but I knew that going into a classroom every day would not have been something that that lit a fire in me. And, you know, I was so torn. And then it was just honestly like fate out of nowhere. One of my friends, her older sister, happened to be studying music therapy at Duquesne. And she said, this is what you need. You need to go to school for music therapy. It's exactly what you're, what you're describing, not giving up your passion of music, but, but studying the mental health aspect of working with people. So, you know, I have to laugh because, you know, job shadows weren't a thing when I was in high school. I picked a major just truly out of a hat. 
and hoped for the best. And thank goodness I fell in love with it because I think back when I went to college, even though that was only 10 years ago, you didn't really have the opportunities that kids have now. So, you know, just as kind of a sidebar, I would tell any student in high school, if they're pursuing a degree, you know, that's a very large financial investment to take up any opportunity to shadow and get out there. So, you know, I, I didn't have that opportunity, but I, I went for it. And thank goodness I fell in love with it. So that brings me, you know, fast forward 10 years. And today I currently am the manager of the Creative Expressive Arts Therapies Program at Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh, meaning I oversee the day-to-day operations of the music and art therapists. And I could not love my job more. It is exciting. It's challenging. It makes me think about things in a new way. I get to be clinical and work with patients one-on-one. I get to work with their families. I get to mentor students and interns. I get to work from a budgetary perspective. I get to do program development. I get to face all of the, the joys and the challenges that come with it. And my day never looks the same. And I love okay. that. I love that I don't know what I'm walking into. You know, I may have some meetings or some patient care that I have somewhat an idea, but I think that something I've learned over the years and I try to tell a lot of students, so kind of twofold, if you want to choose the field of music therapy or the creative arts therapies, I do see a lot of students pursue this field because they have such an utmost love for performing. But I would say if that's really where your passion is, you're probably not going to love music therapy because music therapy is using music as the modality to help people reach mental health or physical goals. So as a music therapist, I need to have extremely sharp skills as a musician. So when you study this degree in college, you actually have to become what we call, quote, proficient in guitar, voice, and piano. And that's any music therapy program from the AMTA, which is the American Music Therapy Association. Those are all of the accredited universities that house music therapy programs. And I believe at this point, there's just close to 100 in the United States, different schools where you can study music therapy as an accredited program. Okay. So once you, you know, enroll inside one of the programs, and I'll talk for just a little bit about the education, because I think it's pretty interesting, the education of a music therapist. We, as it currently stands, we are a bachelor's level entry field, but we are heading towards master's level entry. I was curious about that because it sounded like you you did this degree as a bachelor's, but I know a lot of people that have received the the master's like went on from their bachelor's into their master's right. degree. Okay. That's right. So it depends on the facility you work at this point. So for example, I'm in a hospital setting. A lot of hospital settings actually do require a master's. So all of the creative arts therapy majors and all the people who are creative arts therapists at my facility are master's level professionals. So my bachelor's degree is a bachelor of science in music therapy. But my master's degree is a master of science in clinical mental health counseling. So through that degree, I earned my LPC, meaning I'm a licensed professional counselor in the state of Pennsylvania. So going back to the music therapy degree, you can certainly obtain a master's in music therapy, and a lot of people have a bachelor's in music therapy. So that bachelor's in music therapy is a four-year, and it's roughly about 120 credits. Just like all music majors, you've got a very, very full caseload. 
Mm-hmm. You never are bored in college. You'll you'll do everything like everybody else. You'll be in your ensembles. You'll be required to do juries because you have a main instrument of study. Now, the cool thing about a music therapist is you can have any main instrument of study, but you still have to be proficient in voice, piano, and guitar. So, for example, one of my dear friends, she was an organ major. You're not playing the organ as, as a way to work with patients in music therapy. Right. But, you know, that brought her pretty strong piano skills in. Whereas somebody like me, I had not touched a guitar or a piano hardly at all before I got to college. So I had a lot of catch-up to do in those areas. But being a voice major, I had a leg up in that aspect. Okay. So if your main instrument happens to be one of those three, it's a really nice bonus, but it's certainly not a requirement. It's just you'll have a lot of work to do when you get there. So we take, of course, all the same music classes as music education, music technology, music performance majors. So we take all of those theory classes, written theory, oral theory, uh, anything like that, the musicianship-based courses, music history, mm-hmm. anything that makes you be a music major in, all, in most not always. Music therapy programs are often housed in the schools of music. So I went to Duquesne University. Our music therapy program was run through the, the school of music. But there are some music therapy programs in the country where the school is rooted in health sciences. But mo- most often than not, you are first and foremost a music major. So in addition to that coursework, you have your main instrument of study where you do your juries and you continue to perfect that craft. You take a ton of psychology courses. Then you take very specialized music therapy courses. So you might do music therapy with geriatrics, music therapy with children or pediatric population, music therapy from a group perspective, music therapy working with individuals. So very, very specific coursework in that realm, as well as health sciences. I remember two of my favorite classes in undergrad was healthcare ethics, which I just love that class and really kind of sparked, I think, my fire for my master's degree in counseling, as well as anatomy and physiology. So it is a very, very diverse training program. So once you complete the four-year program, after you do your coursework for four years, all music therapists have to complete a six-month full-time internship. And that's very competitive. More often than not, uh, students are competing for internships across the country, all for the same spot. For example, at UPMC, we, we get students from all over the United States because we only take a certain number per year. So once you complete that six-month training at an accredited internship site, you're eligible to sit for your boards. So no different than a nursing student has to take boards to become a licensed nurse. A music therapy student, once they complete their degree and their internship, has to sit for music therapy boards. And it's a certification board for music therapists. It's a standardized test across the United States. And it takes about three hours and you sit there at an H&R block or a testing center. Again, no different than a nurse or somebody else sitting for some type of board or certification. And once you pass those boards, you earn the credential MTBC, meaning you're a board certified music therapist. So that MTBC credential is, is somewhat your golden ticket into the profession. And that's what's going to make facilities or places hiring a music therapist really start to consider you when you walk in the doors. Great. And and that's a that's an excellent segue to talk about like where else 
people find themselves. You know, I just from what the coursework that you mentioned is, uh, working with geriatrics, working with children, groups, etc. Um, not every music therapist is in a children's hospital. So um, where else are your colleagues working? That's a great question, Lee. So music therapists truly can be employed in a variety of places, but it really boils down to anywhere where you see settings with people. So one of my okay. best friends from my undergrad, she is a music therapist and she's been so for 10 years in a school system. Okay. She works in a school for children with, with disability and special needs, and she adores that work. So she runs all groups there. Certainly, a children's hospital is a place that you will see a music therapist employed. Adult hospitals is certainly a place where you will see that. Prior to my work at Children's, I was the adult palliative care music therapist for um, our adult medical facilities. So that was a very different spin. I was working with people from their mid-20s up until their 90s to, to end of life. So that was a very different type of work. Music therapists can work in psychiatric settings, people with various mental health needs, Music therapists often, you'll see, do private practice, meaning they'll run their own business and contract into different types of settings where they can work with people one-on-one. -on -one. So that would be a place you would see music therapists. So mm -hmm. really anywhere, you know, nursing homes, that's one where you see a lot of music therapists working as a nursing home setting. So it really boils down to anywhere that serves people. Rehabilitation centers is a great spot for a music therapist. Because music therapy can work right alongside physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists to help enhance their goals. That's actually one of my favorite things to do when I work in a children's hospital is work alongside an occupational therapist or a physical therapist to help motivate patients to reach those goals using music. So for example, let's say we're working with a young patient who has to walk for the first time after, let's say, a motor vehicle accident. That child may not be motivated to get up and walk with physical therapy right away, and I get it. I can only imagine the amount of pain that kid's in, but let's say I'm with them or I'm working with that child and I have my guitar and I can actually do gait training and help a child to walk for the first time, setting the pace to music with my guitar or holding out a drum to help the child hit the drum as they walk for the first time. And I'll never forget, I worked with a little boy. He was seven years old at the time, and he refused to get out of bed. He broke his leg, actually. He fell off mm. his bike, and he would not get out of bed with physical therapy. But by motivating him using the Justin Timberlake song, Can't Stop the Feeling, I actually got him to walk from his bed to the outside door for the first time after his bike accident, which wow. was just one of the coolest moments of my career really, really cool opportunities. So, you know, it's using music in very unconventional ways. Another area I absolutely love, and I've done a lot of research, is in the NICU, which is a neonatal intensive care unit. So you think about these very, very small preterm babies who are born early and often need a lot of medical intervention prior to going home, and they could be in the, the NICU for months and months on end in our mm. hospital. But what is so cool is for years, music therapy is an evidence-based practice, meaning it's been researched time and time again. And believe it or not, using music therapy interventions done by a trained music therapist can actually shorten a baby's length of stay in the NICU. Wow. It can help promote brain development. It's proven to help babies learn to eat quicker. So it's not just that the music is soothing and relaxing and calming. 
it is all those things and that's wonderful, but it's showing leaps and bounds of medical advancement for babies in ways that medicine is not. It's using music as medicine. That's incredible. Yeah. It really you know, is. It's amazing. <laughs> we, we hear all of the, the research about, uh, you know, what it does in the brain, but just to, to think about that, to think about, um, you know, uh, uh like you said, a, a little preterm infant um, and what it's able to do. It really. is. And then you think about that baby who might be 38 weeks old, which is not even term. And then on the opposite end, you know, I might go visit a 22-year-old who may have a new can- cancer diagnosis and working with that patient and that individual to express feelings that I'm not sure can ever be fully expressed. You know, I'll never understand what that feels like. Only that person knows what that experience feels like. And they are the ones who have, you know, every right to tell the story the way they want to do. So to help a 22 year old song, write and express emotions mm-hmm. through something that's pretty, pretty awful experience is such an amazing thing to help people tell story their tell the story their way. You know, maybe it's mixing music on GarageBand with a teen, or you know, playing different instruments with a six year old to to elicit that emotion. It's just, it's unbelievable. And you know, this as a musician, the way that music touches the soul is just something that can't always be put into words. And to me, that's what makes it such an incredible tool in working with people. Yeah, so powerful. So. Um, and it's just awesome to hear you talk about it, Corey. Like I said, I, I, I knew before just how passionate you were about the work, but it's great to hear you just, um, uh, share those experiences and the things that you've done, uh, actually in the field. Um, I'm, I'm curious, do you, do you come from a family of people in the helping professions or what was it that kind of tuned you in to, you know, you talked about being a, a psychotherapist. That's, that's where you were headed when you were in high school. Yeah. Um, what brought you to that interest? That's a great question, Lee. I, I don't come from a family of helping professionals. Uh, my sister is a musician and a performer. She actually has a degree in musical theater, Um, so I think that probably also influenced my love of music, but if I really had to dig back where it came from, I remember my jazz, my, I had a really great, uh, band instructor in high school and he took us to so many different places. And I, you know, I came from a rural area out in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, east of the city. But I remember we once had an opportunity to go to Pittsburgh and and I was a singer in the jazz band and we sang at the school for the blind. Hmm. And I will never forget watching the reaction that those children had to the the performance. And even though, you know, from a sensory perspective, they may not have been able to, to visualize or see what was happening. It didn't matter. Their auditory sense and their input and how that music had an effect on them and how it changed their verbal expressions just wow, that really, really stuck with me. And I remember thinking like, my gosh, like to walk with people in, you know, right now for me in a children's hospital, to walk with people in probably the hardest moments of their life, but to walk beside them and help them tell their story is just, 
it's truly indescribable. I, I know I'm not doing a good job of describing it because I just don't think words do it justice. Like sure. there's something so powerful about empowering a person to tell their story their way. I think a common misconception of a music therapist is that we make people happy. And that's true. There are times we can make people happy, but that's not our job. Our job is to help them feel what they need to feel and what they want to feel. So for example, you know, I might work with a teen who hits my drums so hard because he is so angry that nobody is listening to him or hearing what his frustrations are with what's going on medically. But then that means I've done my job correctly if I've let him express that anger instead of saying to him, oh no, let's be happy. We should be happy. No, we need to let him feel what he needs to feel. And I think that, I think that's where, when I was at that fork in the road of, you know, being a psychologist and music teacher, I think that's why I shied away from the aspect of music education. Again, a very beautiful, viable, necessary field, but the structure of that would not have allowed me the, the tailored customization of helping people process some of those more serious and difficult moments in life. And I think that's where my passion as a musician was rooted in. Wow. Yeah. And I, I totally can connect with that. And so your experience at the school for the blind was really, was that before you were thinking about college? I'm sorry. I, if you said it, I, I missed when I you, was, uh... I was, I think I was, yeah, I think I was about 16 years old. Okay. Like a perfect time. Like, I think that was the moment it clicked that I realized like, okay, you can't let go of this music thing. It might be more than just the way you process emotion. Hmm. (laughs) And it kind of clicked at me for that moment. And then, you know, from there I did a little more digging. And once I learned about music therapy, I remember writing out note cards. (laughs) I had a note card for each university within like the five hour radius of who had music therapy programs. And then I kind of, from there, really researched what their philosophy was as a university and as a music therapy training program, because there's different schools of thoughts in music therapy. There is very behavioral music therapy schools of thought, um, very psychotherapy, very existential-based work, um, very music improvisation. So it's very improvisational Mm -hmm. and there's medical models, there's neurological models, So within each university, each one kind of has their own specialty as well. Great. So I know that you are on your way to pursuing um, another certificate or a, a higher level of education. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So this fall, I am planning to begin studying a certificate in health systems leadership and management. Mm. through the University of Pittsburgh's School of Public Health, which I'm very excited and very terrified about <laughs> all at once. And I can say that with, with, with the most honesty to you. Um, well, a couple things. So this will be the first time my, both my bachelor's and my master's degree are from Duquesne University. Okay. And that's for a couple reasons. But I think the main one is, is I, I very much on a very spiritual level identify with what Duquesne stands for. And uh, their, their mission of serving God by serving others applies, I think, very well to my work as a counselor, as a music therapist. I very much identified with that existential approach to therapy in helping people find the meaning in their lives in their own way. So 
um, this is quite a turn for me at, at the University of Pittsburgh, but I'm very, very excited to pursue this type of work. And, you know, I've been, you know, I'm always thinking about what's next, what can be a way I can bring a new layer to my work at the hospital or, or whatever my, my road will become or be. And I, I have been really thinking about, um, leadership in a medical system. And I have found such a passion in my role at children's in layers that I never thought I would have. I absolutely have fallen in love with explaining what music therapy is to people. And from the philanthropy side of the work, I've really come to love working with our, our hospital foundation and how that, you know, gets people excited about the work we do and why it's a, such a beautiful experience to support, not only from a financial perspective, however people can support the community as a whole. And Pittsburgh, I have to say, is truly the most generous generous community. And, and what they do is just unbelievable work. It's, it's truly unbelievable. But, you know, I've been thinking about how to think about things from a larger systems perspective. And I, I'm really excited to step into a new area outside of my comfort zone. All of my training thus far has been as the therapist and as a clinician. So thinking more like an administrator or somebody in leadership is, is something I really am yearning for. And I'm hoping that this certificate in study will help give me some of that knowledge that hasn't been part of my prior degrees. So I'm, I'm very excited, very terrified. Again, huh. the terror, the being terrified comes from the balance of, of course, working and being able to give, you know, the studies the time they deserve, but I'm so excited. I couldn't yeah. be more excited. Well, you know, someone listening can hear just, by the way that you talk about all this, the the type of like energy and um, uh, there's there's a a great sense of just like moving forward and looking for the next thing and um in kind of uh you know the uh, the word aggressive is sometimes seen of seen with a negative connotation, but just kind of you sound like you're ready to go yeah. after whatever's in the future. Um, and a lot of times when people are thinking about professions, they'll look around and they'll kind of um, like I've had other guests on the the podcast talk about the the demeanor or the kind of you know just the kind of frame of mind that lends itself to to being um you know good at a a, a certain type of work um yeah do you have to be as um energetic and aggressive and assertive as you are Corey, to to be a great and uh you know fulfilled music therapist or do you know people who are very different from you personality wise that also really love the work that's a great question, Lee. And I think the answer is they don't have to be that. Everybody's presentation is different. And there's something beautiful about that. In fact, one of the absolute best clinicians that I know, and I happen to work with her at Children's, she's been a music therapist for 14 years. And she is the polar opposite of me. She is calm. She's even keeled. She has a beautiful, soft-spoken tone that's so inviting and welcoming. And she is one of the most effective clinicians I know. So I don't think that you have to be a certain type of person or a type of personality to do this work, especially from a clinical perspective. Now, I will say I do think it takes a certain type of person or a certain type of skill set or a certain type of drive, depending on where you want to take this type of work beyond the clinical realm. 
And that's something so unique to music therapy. And I would assume that this is similar in music education. To be a practicing music therapist or a practicing music teacher, it's a pretty standard education. And you can really, no matter what personality and skill set you bring, you can make it work and you can be effective at it. But when it gets to more specialized branches of the work, I think certain skill sets come in. For example, I don't think I would be the most gifted person working in music therapy in academia or at collegiate level. I don't think the classroom is where my skills would shine or my skills would be put to best use. But again, from, from the advocacy and the philanthropy piece, that is where my skills naturally lend themselves and it works very well. So I think when you get more specialized and tailored down the road in your career, that's where different skill sets will come in to play. But that's the fun part. That's where you get to figure out what do you like? What lights your fire? What gets you excited? Education, you know, might not be the, the, the area where I would shine, but that is certainly an area where somebody with different skills would shine immensely. Well, that's awesome. And as far as uh, advocacy is concerned, you've certainly done a great job advocating for the profession. And so I'm grateful again for you taking the time to chat. Of course. uh, Thank you so much for having me. Wow. What a great example of someone who knows who she is, knows what she wants out of a career, and is energized because she's living it. I'm grateful to Corey for this interview. And if you listening are interested in a career in music, theater, or dance, especially if you're looking for that thing that lights you up the way that you can tell music therapy does for Corey, then check out my programs at artsboundcareerdesign.com. Our theme music is composed by Chris Lidecker. I'm Lee Savalixic. Thanks for listening to the Artsbound Podcast.